Welcome to Critical Value, the podcast from the Urban Institute that explores issues of significance for research, policy, and people. I'm your host, Justin Milner. Every year, the Treasury takes in several trillion dollars in tax receipts. And every year, the U.S. government spends trillions of those dollars for programs, services, defense, and more. When you think about where all that money goes or how that money is spent, you may first think of big programs like Medicare, Medicaid, or Social Security. But there's another way that our government spends a lot of money. The tax code. Strange, right? Like, aren't taxes how the government collects revenue? Well, that's definitely true. But increasingly, the tax code is also becoming the place where a lot of policy finds a home. And these policies cost money. You've probably heard these mentioned before. About 40 million American families take the mortgage interest deduction on their taxes each year. Those families see an average deduction of about $2,000. What is clear, however, those with children will benefit from new rules. The child tax credit has doubled. Are more tax cuts on the way? Treasury Department now looking into cutting taxes on investments known or profits known as capital gains tax. Tax breaks, tax credits, preferential tax rates, they're all housed under the giant umbrella of tax expenditures. And even though they have the same goals as spending programs, tax expenditures usually get a lot less scrutiny than direct spending. But at a cost of $1.4 trillion per year, they're a hugely important use of taxpayer resources. Now, this is a bit of a wonky space, sure, but it is critical if you want to have a clear sense of our country's priorities and where we're spending our very own hard-earned tax dollars. Eric Toder, an Urban Institute fellow and co-director of the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center, makes this case. I think the implication is that if you did not keep track of them, there would be no accounting for how much the government is doing in certain areas of the economy. For example, if you were to look at the government spending on housing, you would find the biggest single program is the mortgage interest deduction. That overwhelms everything that HUD does in terms of dollars. So to be better able to track this type of quote-unquote spending, experts look to this category of tax expenditures, but the term itself can be a little confusing. Here's Frank Sammartino, Senior Fellow at the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center. So the way we describe it is it's really spending that's done through the tax code. I think the name is somewhat unfortunate. It was, it was meant to be a way to describe these provisions of the tax code in a way that people could relate to. The idea was that some of the, the programs that operate through the tax code look a lot like spending programs. But because they're run through the tax code, they, they have some peculiar features that, that you wouldn't see in a, a normal spending program. And these peculiar features can appear in many forms, like exclusions or deductions from the tax code. Eric described how these features might work. There are two ways the government can encourage activities. They want you to encourage you to uh, invest in conservation in your home to put a solar heater in or energy efficient windows, or they can have a program where the Department of Energy sends you a check. And if you do invest in some desired piece of equipment, which is going to save energy, you get maybe 20% off. But the other way they might do it is they might say, 
we're not going to have any government agency send you a check. But when you fill out your tax return, you can say, I spent X dollars on this, and there's a tax credit that says you can take 20% of that spending off of your taxes. Now, if we look at that in the budget, it will look like your taxes have been reduced. But functionally, it's no different than if the government spent the money. It's helping you to do a certain thing, and it's lowering the government's revenue. So if the government wants to raise money for other purposes, it has to raise somebody else's taxes, or maybe it has to cut some other program. So it's really, in its effect, no different than a program, except the way it gets described and the way it gets administered. In effect, it's a little bit of a shell game. There was a famous example that one economist talked about, about how you could eliminate the defense budget or significantly reduce the defense budget without endangering national defense. And that was you would enact a weapons supply tax credit. So instead of the government purchasing airplanes from Lockheed, something like that, Lockheed could claim a tax credit if the government authorized it in return for the supply of, of airplanes. That would be no different except the defense budget would go way down. So as we dig deeper into this topic, it may be helpful to quickly review the most recognizable tax expenditures. Here's Frank. Well, I think the, the employer exclusions for health insurance premiums and for retirement income are probably the most common. The deductions for mortgage interest, for charitable contributions, and for state and local taxes are also pretty well known. The credits, there's the child tax credit, which is now a major tax expenditure since it, the credit was expanded in the in the recent tax bill that was passed at the end of 2017. And then uh, the earned income tax credit, which uh, is a credit for low-income working families that varies with the number of children you have. So those are some of the major ones. And that means a lot of us are impacted by tax expenditures. Have a child? Check. Own a home? Check. Have health insurance through an employer? Check. Donate to 501c3 charitable causes and you're going beyond the standard deduction so that you can itemize your contributions? Checkity check. But, and this is important, just because most of us might be benefiting from a tax expenditure in some way does not mean that we're all benefiting equally. The distribution matters and some may benefit a lot more than others. Because a lot of the major tax expenditures are these exclusions or deductions from income, that, that the benefits are skewed towards higher income taxpayers, that they're just able to take advantage of them and, and, and get more of the tax benefits. So overall, if you, look, if you measure up all the tax expenditures, it's definitely tilted towards high income taxpayers. But there are some major tax expenditures, such as the earned income tax credit, that are explicitly targeted towards lower income families. So you have to look at them at a case by case basis. But again, the preponderance goes to higher income taxpayers. Frank explained how this skew might look in real life for a deduction. If you itemize your deductions on your tax return, you can claim a deduction for mortgage interests that you pay. And the way it works is by deducting a dollar amount of mortgage interest, if you're in a higher tax bracket, the tax savings you get from deducting $1,000, say, if you're in a 37% tax bracket, $370. But for someone in a lower tax bracket, deducting the same $1,000, the tax saving to them is less. 
people have labeled this kind of an upside down subsidy because the subsidies for an equivalent amount of spending is higher for high income people than for low income people. So it's not a feature you would see in a spending program, but because it's sort of operating through the tax code, you get sometimes these, these peculiar situations. While tax expenditures overall may tend to have larger benefits for wealthier Americans, there are some tax expenditures that target low-income Americans. The biggest is the earned income tax credit. Here's Eric. Sort of does two things. It, it provides income support for low-income working families. And because of the way it's structured that you, you have, first of all, you have to be working to get the credit. And then the, the amount of the credit rises with, with earnings up to a particular point. Some studies have shown that it actually encourages more people to participate in the labor force. I mean, it, so it's providing income support and it's also providing a work incentive for people. Working through the tax system rather than a spending program has some upsides. Here's Eric. The other advantage of doing it through the tax system is the degree of administration is less. So for the earned income credit, individuals file a return and claim the credit. They don't have to go into a government office as they would for SNAP benefits and apply for it. After the fact, the IRS looks at the returns and decides to examine some of them. You're basically making it a lot easier for people to to get benefits. So the take-up rate on the earned income credit is much higher than the take-up rate on other government benefit programs. So maybe you're starting to see the many ways tax expenditures can shape our lives. But when should we use tax expenditures and how can we be strategic with them? Frank offers three questions that should lead the design of tax expenditures. I mean, the first was, why, why is the government intervening at all? What's the rationale for government intervening? So if we take the deduction for employer-provided health insurance, you can make the case that government, yes, it does have an interest to see that people are, have access to health and insurance coverage and we're willing to subsidize that. So if it meets the first principle, then the next question is, is this the best way to do it? The third question is, who gets it? Is it just for upper income people? You know, what, what's the distribution of the benefits? And here's how Frank is thinking about those questions for the EITC. And so in the case of the earned income tax credit, we could say, well, yeah, there's a clear role for government here to provide income support for low-income families and also to do it in a way that encourages them to work. And we seem to, to value that. It's less clear that there's really a role for government in the mortgage interest deduction. Part of the issue is wh where do these things come from? I mean, the earned income tax credit was an explicit program that was enacted in the, in the mid-70s to help low-income people. And, and I think at that point, directly to offset some of the, the payroll taxes that they, they pay. Frank says the mortgage deduction is an example of a less strategic and certainly less progressive tax expenditure. The mortgage interest deduction sort of arose, one call quite happenstance, but the tax code allows you to deduct interest that if you're in a business where you're, you're borrowing money to finance your business because we're taxing the proceeds from that business. And so the interest deduction was extended to mortgage interest because that's what we do. We allow a deduction for interest. But, the, but what's lacking there is we don't actually tax the proceeds from owning a home that you, you know, 
We talk about the the rental equivalent value of homes that the the home is providing some service to you, but we're not taxing that. So, so we're on one end we're allowing this deduction, but there's no commensurate income that's being taxed on the on the other end. So it's it's arose more from kind of a broad tax policy, but it applied in a case where there wasn't income being generated from from this particular activity. We should also keep in mind that not all tax expenditures are that large. There are a lot of very small tax expenditures in the code that have snuck in to benefit particular industries or particular interests. There are things that probably get a lot of negative publicity, like the benefits to oil and gas drilling. Every Democrat now didn't used to be so in the past when there were a lot from Texas, but now they all want to eliminate that. But when you look at the fossil fuel tax expenditures, they only cost a couple of billion dollars a year. They're trivial in terms of the, the budget. A lot of the things which we would say, well, there's really no justification for that, but they don't really cost very much. And the things that do cost a lot are the things that benefit millions of people. Not to say that they shouldn't be looked at and pared back, but it's hard to say healthcare exclusion, pensions, mortgage interest, charities are kind of narrow special interest provisions. One reason policymakers are increasingly looking to the tax code to implement policy can be explained in one word, inertia. Tax expenditures don't have to be appropriated. They're in the law and there are, for the most part, permanent. So if Congress does nothing, they will continue. Basically, once those tax expenditures are in place in the tax code, they're really difficult to get off the books because who wants to look like you're raising taxes? Here's Frank. So tax expenditures often provide sort of useful benefits. So they're not all a problem. They're not loopholes in the sense that they're kind of something sneaky that a few people get away with. But because they're administered through the tax code, they don't sometimes get the same scrutiny as spending programs. Also, there's the issue that it kind of makes the government seem smaller than it actually is because the government, you know, if the government collected the money and then paid it out in, in a spending program for exactly the same items that it that it does for tax expenditures, you would see that on the on the government in the government budget. That it so it it kind of makes government's role in the economy seem smaller than it actually is by doing all these things through the tax code. And not all tax expenditures operate at the federal level. It's important to recognize that there are a lot of tax expenditures at the state level also. And a lot of the monies for these state tax expenditures are a consequence of state tax systems, state income tax systems using the federal starting points. So if the federal system excludes contributions for retirement benefits and for employer health insurance, most states start with the federal definition of income. So these carry over to the states. So the actual cost of these tax expenditures, often we just look at the federal level, but it's much bigger than that because it it affects the state income tax receipts also. So whether it's at the state or federal level, ultimately, we may need to simply pay closer attention to where that $1.4 trillion in tax expenditures is going out the door. That's one of the issues with tax expenditures is that the question of how well do they work is not often addressed. That's something that's lacking, that you know, we're, we should be doing more evaluation of these programs and are they doing what we, what 
We hope they are. As always, we'll close with some key takeaways. Here are three things to know. One, tax expenditures are a significant and often overlooked part of our government budget. Two, they are a major way that policymakers can incentivize activities or support people, and it's all through the tax code. And three, tax expenditure design should be driven by three questions. Should the government be involved? Are tax expenditures the best way to do it? And who benefits? So that's our show. Thanks again to Frank Sammartino and Eric Toder. You can find out more about tax expenditures and our work in the show notes on our webpage, www.urban.org slash critical value. And the Urban Brookings tax policy team just released a series of really cool animated videos that go deeper in explaining the concept of tax expenditures. They're quick and they're fun and they're definitely worth a watch. And you can check those out on our show notes page as well. Thanks to all you awesome Critical Value listeners. We really appreciate it. Please take a second to leave a rating on iTunes. It helps others find the show. And if you have any comments or questions, you can always email us at criticalvalue@urban.org. Big thank you to producers Robert Abair and Jacinth Jones for all their help and our sound editor Riley Byrne from podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. Our theme music is by Moby. For everyone on the Critical Value team, this is Justin Milner signing off.